Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the home bunker. Folks, today we are doing a special episode of Woke AF Daily with our friend, Dr. Jonathan Metzel. We decided to turn the tables this episode, usually for the past couple of years. I mean, Jonathan and I have been talking weekly since the beginning of the pandemic. So just think about how many conversations you've listened to with the two of us. But today we decided to turn the tables. We went live from Vanderbilt University, where Jonathan teaches a class on COVID and society. And essentially today's lecture was with regard to how COVID has changed our politics and has it changed it forever and has it changed us forever? And so in this conversation, instead of me asking Jonathan questions, Jonathan asks me questions and turns the table on how I think that media has changed, um, how the public views public health, whether or not we'll ever get back to a community-minded space with regard to public health where We really are our brothers, sisters, our friends, keepers, and we care about their well-being. And so for me, folks, this was a really fun episode to do because I miss university. There is a war on education right now at K through 12 level, but also at the higher education level. And so there are days when I think to myself, I couldn't imagine going through and getting my degree right now. Right. Like I remember thinking about, you know, political science and framing it in terms of how I wanted to be a force for good and be a public servant and, you know, help shape and change the nation. And that was at a time when I thought that we were on an upswing. So what does it mean to be getting a degree in politics or getting a degree in journalism at this current time? So the opportunity to both speak with and listen to young people for me was a huge treat. 
So I hope that you all enjoy this. I guess it would be a Freaky Friday episode uh, with Jonathan, where Jonathan turns the tables and puts on his host hat, and I enter into the guest chair. So coming up next, my conversation with Dr. Jonathan Metzel on COVID and society. It's no secret that the news is horse pill hard to swallow. Thankfully, there's the Bituation Room podcast hosted by comedian and commentator Francesca Friorentini for a lighter take on the heavy stuff. Each week, the Bituation Room brings you progressive comedians, experts, and activists to break down the issues in a way that won't just leave you crying under a weighted blanket. Get the Bituation Room on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and streaming on YouTube and Twitch. All right, welcome to class, everybody. I am delighted to turn the tables today for the past, gosh, how long has it been, Danielle? Um, how long have we been in the pandemic? <laughs> I know. We've been talking every damn week for the pandemic. So Danielle is a dear friend of mine, um, and we we used to do television together on MSNBC and other stuff like that. Um, Danielle um, and I were also the only people who were, like I think, adequately freaking out before the pandemic happened. And so like everybody else was like, oh, two weeks of canned soup and cash. And Danielle and I would be in the back being like, this ain't two weeks of uh, canned soup. This is like, you know, the world is going to implode or something like that. So we've been actually doing a TV segment every week over the course of the entire pandemic uh, processing. And every week we say, next week, um, we're going to talk about puppies or we're going to talk about ponies or we're going to talk about springtime because we're not like dour people. But what we need is for the bummer news to stop happening. But instead, what happens is uh, the bummer news keeps coming. And so I've got a bunch of slides about politics, which maybe I'll go into afterwards. Um, but let me just say a few things that I am delighted to welcome to class today. Uh, my good friend, Danielle Moody. Uh, Danielle hosts a bunch of different shows. Um, the most important ones by far are... Um, Woke AF and Democracy-ish, which are both... Danielle, where do those stream? Everywhere. They stream everywhere you guys get your podcasts. Everywhere you get your podcasts. Um, I love this on your bio. It says, never shy about shaking things up or calling BS when she sees it. Danielle has been an un unapologetic commentator about America's racism problem. She made waves on election night in 2016 when she called Donald Trump's win, white supremacy's last stand, video clips of went, which went viral. Um, and uh, she's the really, I mean, how, how many, can you just tell us, Danielle, really quickly for the audience here, um, tell us a little bit about your media background before we get, we get going. Sure. So my background is actually in politics and policy. Um, I worked on Capitol Hill, uh, did education policy, was the lead lobbyist for New York City's um, education uh, lobbying efforts under Mayor Bloomberg. Uh, transition to, to environmental education. Um, and I got into media by, by way of the marriage equality fight. So in the early 2000s, uh, became a national spokesperson for marriage equality. And from there, transitioned into doing more policy around LGBTQ uh, issues and recognizing that there are two ways to change, you know, to change hearts and minds. Uh, one of them is through media and the other is through policy. So that's how I became more active in terms of writing and speaking and creating shows um, that kind of cut through the BS, which you, you can only get so much in sound bites uh, on television. And so podcasting and 
uh, and creating content is a way for us to really delve into the conversations that mainstream media misses. Wonderful. And as I was just saying, you and I have been speaking every single Tuesday and Wednesday for the past, um, well, since really the second week of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and the class that you're speaking in front of, there's a audience of students in, in front of me, which we'll go to in a little bit here. Um, but the theme of this class is COVID and society. And we're mm -hmm. kind of asking how the pandemic changed the world as we know it, and also how the pandemic is changing the future of the, the future as, you know, what's the trajectory that is being altered or exposed as a result of the pandemic? And so we've done different weeks on science, expertise, race, things like that. And today we're talking about politics and protest. And I thought, man, I've been talking about this every week with Danielle. And so I thought, let's do, let's do this conversation in front of the class, and then we'll bring in the class. And so the theme today is, how did the pandemic change either politics as we know it, the future of, of politics, or the future, <laughs> the future of the world in a particular way? Wow. I mean, one, I, I love the fact that you do this class. Um, and two, those are really great questions. I think that the way in which politics has changed is fundamentally. Um, we have to think about the fact that we had never villainized in the way that we have seen public health uh, done so over the last couple of years, where we were always on the same page. Like, don't we all want to be healthy? Don't we all want to be safe? Don't we all want what's best for our friends, our neighbors, our colleagues? Um, and that fundamentally shifted where you had some people, um, and this is pre-vaccine, right? Because we've been talking for a long time, Jonathan, like pre-vaccine, it was wear a mask. Once we understood what COVID was and how it was playing out in the beginning, it said, we were told, wear a mask. It'll keep yourself safe. It'll keep those around you safe. Have six feet of distance, right? Um, wash your hands. And all of a sudden, you you saw this breakdown um, with the Republican Party and the far right deciding that by telling people to sh be in community with one another in order to keep all of us safe, that somehow that was in violation of their rights and violation of their liberty, right? So they wanted the freedom to infect. Um, and, and so I think that by virtue of this, we lost trust in our institutions like the CDC and the WHO, where you know, were they making decisions as the pandemic continued to progress? Were they making decisions that were about our public health or about politics? So as not to be called out by the far right, if they're saying, hey, you need to quarantine for two weeks. Well, then you have CEOs and shareholders that are concerned that if workers are quarantining every time that they get sick for this long period of time, well, then what happens to productivity? What happens to churn? So are we making decisions about capitalism? Or are we making them about people's well-being? And as time went on, as we would continue in our conversations, I think that we saw that, you know, it's kind of a mixed bag, right? That these decisions are, in fact, have become politicized. And I think that they will be um, into the future, which is really detrimental in terms of how we need to operate, because I don't think that COVID is going to be our last health pandemic, right? And I don't necessarily think that even with each new variant that we've seen, that we've shown that we've learned really about what it means to not only care for ourselves, but to care for those around us and the, and the most vulnerable, frankly, around us. So I do think that it has shifted our politics in a way where, you know, we thought that we could debate climate change, for instance, 
uh, and science, and that there were two different types of science. And this is the way that we've allowed that same type of thinking to take over um, public health. I, I think that's exactly right. And it ties really nicely into a bunch of stuff we've been talking about in class. Um, politics, of course, functions on multiple levels. Um, politics is the politics of public health, certainly. And, and what it means, I mean, I was just thinking the whole idea, when I was in med school, for example, I learned that public health means um, you, it's not so much about saving the drowning person uh, from the river. It's about making sure they don't fall into the river in the first place, which means everybody working together to put up guardrails uh, around the water, um, teaching people to swim in advance. It takes people kind of working together. Um, it feels like in many ways, our country has kind of fallen into the river. And, and the idea that we could even build guardrails or think about prevention in a way, it just becomes so much more unimaginable, which is ironic, right? Because we've seen what, what the pandemic can do. But just the, the idea of public health itself, the idea that people are working together communally to prevent things from happening before they happen um, seems awfully fraught right now, would you say? I, I mean, I think that it's, it's terrifying with how fraught it is, right? When we think about the, the, the like, this is a, 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 a virus that spreads through community. So how can you not be community-minded when trying to find your way to solutions, right? We had an opportunity, I think you and I have discussed this and, and maybe our opinions differ. We had an opportunity, you know, at the beginning of vaccinations to get everybody vaccinated, to, to kind of, to work to eradicate COVID. We never thought that we would then have 25% of the population that would be like, no, I'm good, right? I think that you're putting a microchip in my arm, right? And, and not believe Doctors who have no agenda, they're not running for office. They don't need to be elected, right? So why wouldn't you believe what doctors and nurses and health practitioners are saying? Um, because you've been told that they're out to get you. And so I, 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 don't, I don't know how we, as one of guests has said to me recently, how we knit our communities back together where we trust one another, right? Where, where we trust that we're, we're in this for the betterment um, of ourselves and our community at large. And if we can't get on the same page about not wanting to kill our neighbor because we happen to cough on them or, you know, or we refuse to wear a mask, then I, I, I don't know what we can get on the same page about. And that's what scares me. Hey, I'm David Plotz of Slice Political Gab Fest. As another election season accelerates, it can be tricky to sort through all the noise in the news. Each week on the GabFest, John Dickerson, Emily Bazelon, and I decipher the headlines, break down the races, and tell you what issues really matter. We do not always agree. We definitely do not always agree. But we always deliver thoughtful debate, and we always have a good time. So subscribe to Slate's Political GabFest. New episodes every Thursday. Politics, of course, functions in, a, in many different ways. Um, one is about the politics of public health, which it, just the idea, the idea of public health has been challenged. And just think of the irony, right? We're, we're challenged by a public health-linked pathogen, and the, the, just the concept of public health falls apart, which I guess is terrifying. Maybe it's understandable because this thing has gone on so too long. Maybe, it, who knows? But it, it does keep happening, and that, that's, gonna, that's certainly going to be something that plays out. And then two other kind of functions of politics I wanted to talk about 
One is the politics of the media, and the second is the politics of race, and I'll take those in order. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I think it would be interesting for the students to also hear, what is your sense of just the politics of your job? What is the role of being in the media right now? How does what's happening right now um, change how you conceptualize like your mission, or how does it change your, your daily life? And I say that because we've got a lot of students who are thinking about going into media, and we'll be doing a lot with media in the class. Um, but also because, you know, if you just, if you just think back to like what you and I were doing in the beginning of the pandemic, it was kind of like, let's educate mm-hmm. people about, mm-hmm. how, about the six feet rule and all that stuff. Like we thought we were educating people. Uh, and now it's kind of like, we're just chronicling, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't want to say do we're chronicling <laughs> something here. Um, so can you just talk about kind of what it, what this period has done to how you feel like your job is in a way? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. And I ask myself, probably, what am I doing on a regular basis? Uh, I think that when I entered in, when I when I launched Woke AF, but Woke AF was launched uh, in 2016. And it was in reaction to Donald Trump's even being being a candidate, let alone becoming president of the United States. And what I realized at that time when I launched Woke AF was that a majority of the country was asleep in the, in believing that somebody like him couldn't become president of the United States. Um, somebody who had, you know, came with a heavy amount of misogyny and racism um, and said all of these things that were totally outside of the political norm. So when the pandemic happens and he's still president of the United States at this time, and we're learning in real time, what he knew, what he didn't know, the fact that he knew that it was contagious and not just like the flu and didn't share it with the public because he wanted to use it as a political tool and weaponize it. I went from thinking about exactly what you had said, thinking about our role as providing information to people to keep them safe, but safety shifted, not just about keeping them safe from this virus, but keeping them safe from the larger cancer of misinformation, right? That, that you were being misguided purposefully. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't unfortunate. It was a strategy. And so I feel like I went, you know, the, the role that I have has always been to be an alarm clock, right? Like, you know, everyone is busy in this country. Everyone has multiple jobs, kids, you know, livelihood, homes, you know, things going on, but those, all of those aspects of life and livelihood go away if you don't have any freedom. And, you know, I don't know how many of your students, you know, uh, have traveled and have traveled into, you know, other countries or from other countries with various forms of, uh, of government structure, but I have traveled to places with authoritarianism. And I've traveled to places, you know, um, that have climbed their way out of fascism, but still have, you know, some remnants of that. Um, there is a there is a listlessness that the people have. There is a, a a lack of of hope. There's a lack of hopefulness because what are you being hopeful for? And so, I find my job now not just to be an alarm, but to be in a, a siren, an alarm, all the red flags, screaming and waving my hands that, you know, don't think that what you're seeing can't happen in the United States because it is happening and it's happening every day and it's happening a lot rapid, a lot more rapid than, than we thought that it would. 
I mean, it's, it's interesting you mentioned misinformation and disinformation because I remember we did a show, you know, in the first month of the pandemic where we were just explaining to people yep. what is misinformation, and everybody was like, "Well, that happens in Russia," but I would, I would spot that in a second here. <laughs> like nobody believed it was happening to them, um, but it turns out the way it happens is it's a narrative that makes sense to you, and then it becomes your your form of common sense in a way. I want to say too, you know, to point out something recently that just happened. If if folks are um, are are paying attention to a lot of the debates that are happening as as we make the the the, the march to midterms, um, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene out of Georgia was in her debate with her opponent, and one of the things that she said was that um, Democrats are trying to kill us. You you want to kill us? That's what she said to her political opponent. And then she said, why do you why do you care? You know, why are you for uh, being a predator and, 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 and grooming children? She said all of these things. No, the debate moderator didn't stop her. What happened then is that it was picked up in all of these news outlets and it's normalized because it's oh, it's just Marjorie Taylor Greene saying more of what she has said. And I'm like, but there's no disruption. There's no disruption of the lies the dangerous lies that are coming out of her mouth and you don't know who or where they're landing. So it's, it's, it isn't, you know, it isn't just like, oh, well, those people over there, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're crazy. It's like, no, they've become the mainstream. And when crazy is mainstreamed, people become dehumanized. And then the actions that you decide to take against those people can be justified. And you need not look any further than justifications for all types of oppression, violence, and torture that have happened in this country and around the world. I, I think that's really, really well said. Um, we have um, just another couple of minutes before we go to the to the audience. And so, if you have a question, um, if you have a question, just think about coming up to the microphone. If anybody wants to ask about politics or media or things like that, so just go ahead and line up right here uh, at the microphone. I'm going to ask one more question. Um, now, you mentioned before about about traveling outside the United States. And I'm kind of laughing looking at our room because we have students from pretty much all over the world, all over the country, um, many different um, ideological backgrounds, political backgrounds. And what's nice is we come together here um, to, uh, to address that. And so is there, and I'll ask you about race after the students, but could you just say a word, um, a word about um, just what, what could you say to students right now, like students who, for example, might be wanting mm -hmm. to go in into the media or might be wanting to go into the politics? What's what you know? What's the what's the message to this audience of um, the kind of the leaders of tomorrow who are getting going to get us out of this? You know what I would say is, if you're going into media, I think that what is really interesting is that media has become in a lot of ways democratized if you know how to utilize different social platforms. So you don't need to necessarily be a part of a traditional news outlet um, that may have a newsroom that is not reflective of who you are or not interested in diverse, and I mean diverse in all senses of diverse, what diversifies our perspective um, of the world around us, of our, pol of our body politic. And so what, what's your, I would say to really think about what is your point of view? You know, what do you want to offer that is different? Um, what do you think is missing? And then if you figure that out, then you're able to actually create a point of view and create content around that, 
that will bring people in. But you kind of have to figure out what kind of journalist do you want to be and don't fall into the trap of neutrality. Because I think that in the current climate that we're in, neutrality is actually a lie. It is a code to just accept the status quo. Um, I, I don't, and I also don't refer to myself as a journalist. I went to school for politics. I just happened to run my mouth really well. <laughs> um, but, you know, but I, I didn't go to school for media. Um, so don't even think that if you didn't, if you're not getting, you know, one of your, you know, degrees in media or journalism, then that means that you can't enter into the field. I am sitting, you know, evidence, uh, to the contrary. Wonderful. All right. Well, this is, this has been really fun. This is like the one time a year where like, I'm the host and you're the guest. Yes, I love it. Usually you're interviewing me and I'm like, damn, her job's harder than it looks. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) anyway, all right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Danielle. Thank you so much for joining us. And we will talk next week at this very same time earlier. Take it. Thank you so much. That is it for me today, dear friends on Woke AF as always. Power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Open a limited time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average. Plus, it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.